man, people are looking at me. I hope they like my outfit. Is my hair too tall? Is my zipper up? Too late to look. What if they don't like this message? What if it's boring or worse seems shallow? The pressure's on. How should I start this message? Are they going to like it? Are they going to like me? What's going to grab their attention? I got to say something fast. It's got to be relevant, maybe even life-changing. Here goes five, four, three, two, one. We should be less concerned with what others think about us and more concerned with what God thinks about us. Welcome. Welcome to Church Unlimited. I want to say thank you for coming. Appreciate you being a part. Let's give it up for our God Behind Bars guys and all of our campuses watching right now. Thanks for being here today. Today's message is about being distracted by other people. The one thing that will distract you more than anything else is the opinion of others, the criticism of others, the concern, the betrayal, the hurt, or the offense that we take from other people. Is someone else's opinion or treatment of you slowing you down? Quit giving them your power. That's what today is all about. Pull out your notes if you would. Let's talk today out of Acts chapter 28 where the Apostle Paul deals with this. He has to face the opinions of others and it's interesting how he handles it versus how most of us handle this in our lives. Pull out your notes if you would. Again, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 28 today. The Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome. That's where God has spoken to him clearly about going to Rome. Rome was the city of influence. It was the Hollywood, L.A., or New York of their day. It was the place to be, and it was where all the philosophers were from. And that's where we get the concept of a university is from Rome. And so the great philosophers went there. So Paul said, I want to go there to share Christ with the world, because he knew his philosophy was grounded in facts that Jesus rose again. So he wanted to go there. And on his way there, he gets shipwrecked. Maybe that's your life too. You were on your way to somewhere till you got shipwrecked, till something didn't go right, something fell apart, things didn't go exactly as planned, and so he got shipwrecked. So he had some problems, but then on top of the problems, he got criticism from the problems too. And so that's what happens to a lot of us is that we have a bad situation happen, a downturn in the economy, a difficult problem, but then other people's opinions are piled on top of that. And that's what the Apostle Paul dealt with. And he ends up being, basically being shipwrecked on the island of uh, Patmos. And uh, actually, this is before that. This is, he's at Malta at this point. He's stuck in Malta. Sorry, I'm confusing stories. John was at Patmos. Paul was at Malta. So let me get my facts right here. Malta was a small island that he was crashed on. He was not trying to go there. He ended up stuck there on his way to Rome. Maybe that's your life right now. Maybe you're stuck where you don't want to be in a job you don't want to be in, in a situation you don't want to be in, and you're like, Lord, what do I do? Well, the Apostle Paul found himself stuck in Malta, and when he was shipwrecked, I mean, when I say shipwrecked, if you read the story, it's pretty amazing. They almost all died. They basically all just like were holding on to a piece of the boat left as they floated to an island to live, right? They're there. They're kind of licking their wounds, cleaning up themselves a little bit, and they build a fire. They meet these other people that live on the island as well, so they're all gathered around the fire, and they, again, they've just, they're emotionally and physically exhausted with what they've just gone through, and then this happens. Look at Acts chapter 28, verse 3. It says, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. Like, if it couldn't get any worse, it just did. And so he's just simply stoking the fire, is all he's trying to do, and as he throws some wood on the fire, a snake comes out, bites him in the hand. 
but the snake bites him in front of all the villagers. Now, this is a problem because the villagers believe that anyone who had something bad happen to them must deserve it, must have some kind of sin or something in their life that caused it. Now, it's one thing to go through something. It's one thing to have a difficulty. It's in a whole other level for your difficulty to be made public, right? It's bad enough to have a child that goes wayward, that's causing problems in your home, but when they get in trouble and everyone knows about it, then it embarrasses the parents, right? It's bad enough to have a problem in your marriage, but whenever the fight spills out into the street, so to speak, and people hear about it or see it and can tell, then it's like, oh, wow, this is now embarrassing. It's bad enough to have your boss on you, but when they call you out in front of the other staff members, right? I mean, it it gets way worse. And, And so this is important to keep this in mind. Number one, sometimes God allows your problems to go public. Sometimes God, God allows your problems to go public. It can be embarrassing, but you got to realize if, if it goes public, God must have a purpose in this for it to go public. And one of the greatest purposes is that we need to remember not to replace God with people. And so people's opinions should not count that much in your life. We have overinflated other people's opinion of ourselves. And so the truth is, is that what God thinks of us is far more important. Proverbs 29, 25, that top verse on your outline there says, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. So the Apostle Paul, he's already gone through a lot. Now he gets bit by a snake and he he doesn't just get bit, he gets bit in front of everyone. They're all like, oh man, what's going on with this? Look what they say next. It says, the people on the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. So they immediately think, oh, look, clearly he's guilty. We already know he's got a jailer that brought him here. They didn't realize that the the reason he was in jail was because he was sharing the gospel. It wasn't because of some crime he committed. But you know, Paul must have been thinking when they said murder, no doubt, he must have thought, well, maybe they know that I did oversee murders in my past because he was involved in killing Christians, but it was was a state-run program. It was actually legal to do it. It doesn't make it right, but it was legal So I wonder if that played into his guilt of what he had done before he even became a Christian. You know, sometimes someone brings something up that, that, you know, that they accuse you of something and they don't even know your past to realize that maybe you did dabble in something, right? They they weren't even aware of that, but they just saw the snake bite and thought, he must be a bad guy, right? When your kid acts up, you must be a bad parent, right? When, When you lose your job, never mind the downturn in the economy, you must be a bad employee. Well, maybe oil just went went to the tank. You know, maybe just everything fell apart. Maybe it had nothing to do with you, but you're being accused of something. So we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to, to, to have no grace for someone when they're going through a difficult time, especially when it's made known, but yet we suddenly get a lot of grace whenever we go through it. Don't you remember how you used to judge parents with kids acting up in a restaurant before you had kids? Remember that? Uh, oh, my kids will never act like that. And then you have children of your own, and now you like want to get up in front of the whole restaurant and go, I apologize, what's about to happen? <laughs> right? The reality is that we're all, you know, no grace people in an area we don't struggle in, but whatever we struggle, we, we just don't want anyone to know about it. Well, the Apostle Paul takes a bite in front of everyone, and so now he's embarrassed, of course. They're, they're, they're accusing him of something here that, that he didn't even do. Number two is when you were judged, you got to learn to shake it off. You got to learn to shake it off. We, we all get judged by somebody. You, you got to learn to just shake that off. Maybe someone right now, maybe you're remembering a comment that someone made to you years ago that you still let plague you. Someone said something about you and, you st- and you've held on to it all these years. It just came to mind me bringing this up. 
How many of you guys right now already are thinking of someone who really hurts you, said something about you or to you that really hurts you? Yeah. I mean, all of us have a thing or two like that, but labels are libels. They're just not true. But someone just sort of pegs you as this kind of person because of one mistake you made, one thing you did, or maybe in the case of Paul, he didn't make a mistake. He just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, and all of a sudden he's pegged as a murderer because a snake bit him? Really? You know, so they immediately judge him. You know, oh, this guy, he, he must be a bad guy because a snake bit him. Oh, I heard this and that about him. Oh, yeah, well, I heard that. I mean, you know, the gossip begins, and he's beginning to go off. You know, it, it, maybe in your office people are talking about you. I, I want to just give you some good news. I, I was reading a book uh, a, a while back, and it really hit me. This, it's a book from, like, the, I think it's from the 30s, really old book. It was a really powerful statement that they made. I thought this is really great for us to keep in mind. If someone is busy talking bad about you in the office, just keep this in mind. This is really true in any industry, in any business or ministry or family or anything. Here's the truth, Okay. The non-vital talk about the vital. Did you catch that? The non-vital employee, they always are talking about the vital employee. The non-vital NBA players talk bad about the vital ones. You know, LeBron, he didn't have a good game. Yeah, well, the reason why we even talk about LeBron is because he always has an amazing game. So maybe he had a bad game this game, but... The truth is, is that we're talking about him because he's vital to the NBA. He, he makes the NBA, right? Him and, you know, 10 other players, right? So the non-vital, talk about vital. So, so if someone's running you down, that's actually good news. That, that means you're probably doing something. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you feel a little beat up, that's the way that works. The prettiest girl in school is the one that's criticized by all the girls, right? I don't see what they see in her. She's just not that pretty. Look at her lips. Oh, my gosh, her eyebrows are horrible. I can't believe <laughs> Right? And so you, you, you don't sweat that. It, it's, it's okay. Don't let that discourage you. And so when you're judged, just learn to shake it off. That, that, that's important to do that. I, I remember years ago, people left our church, and it, it hurt, you know, and I, I took it all personal. You know, they're saying, oh, Pastor Bill, he's just, he's just not that good of a preacher. You know, he's just so shallow. And I wanted to go with them and say, you have no idea how hard I have to study to be this shallow. It takes a lot of work. And the point is, is that, you know, people say those kind of things. You, you, you just got to let that stuff go. You can't worry about that. Otherwise, you'll go crazy. And so you, there's always someone who's not going to like what you do. Don't worry about that. You, you got to let that go. And so you know what? We're doing all right. Some people don't like us, but we're doing okay. You can't, you can't get caught up in that. Just stay, listen, stay in your lane. Just keep running the race God has given you, and don't sweat whether someone agrees or disagrees with how you do it. You know, is the Lord cool with you? Then you're good. And so don't worry about what everyone thinks about you, or you'll go crazy. You just can't get consumed with that stuff. It'll drive you crazy if someone doesn't always agree with how you do business or how you run your family. You, you ever notice this, like, moms, that, you know, moms and dads that send their kids to private school judge those whose kids are in public school, right? But don't worry if your kids are in public school because the homeschool parents are judging the ones in private school. So you're good, <laughs> Right? And then public school is judging those in homeschool. I can't believe you not let your kid have all those opportunities. And, and I can't believe you expose your kids. I mean, they're all judging each other. Just do what God told you to do. Does that make sense? How the Lord lead you to raise your kids? Then you do that. You, you honor God in your home, and, and you make that decision. It's your family. They're your kids. Amen. And so don't sweat what someone else says about how you raise your children. It's okay. I mean, you know, don't, like, feed them crack. I mean, don't do that. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> let's be realistic here. I mean, but... The point is, is that you, you don't sweat that. You, you can't be discouraged, you know, just because your child, you raise your kids differently. We, we tend to do that. We tend to judge other people. Now, if you raise your kids to be a cowboy fan, now that is clearly a mistake. 
not going to lie. I mean, just kidding. That was just a joke. Just a joke. I mean, we all know who's got the winning record versus those who don't, so it's all good. So here's your thing. Shake it off when you're judged. You can't get consumed with that stuff. And here's the other thing I've also learned when it comes to that. Like maybe in your business, you're introducing a new product or, or a new emphasis or a new campaign, and not everyone on, in the office is on board with you. Don't worry about that. Move with the movers. Just, if there, is there a handful of people that like it? Go with it. And, just, and the other people come along eventually. Just don't sweat it. Just don't be discouraged. I tell pastors, young pastors, oh, these people left my church. I was like, oh, that happens every week to me. It's normal. Here's the funny thing. I remember years ago, a lot of people left, and we were trying to build a building and raise money. Oh, you're always asking for money. Well, it does take money to build a building, right? But then those people that left, guess what? We built a building. They all came back. <laughs> it speaks more of them. Does that make sense? Don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. You do what God told you to do and keep moving forward. When you're judged, learn to shake it off. I heard about an English teacher. She's talking to her class about past, present, tense, tenses, and you know, future tense, and just English, and she's teaching, and she looks at one of the students, she says, okay, so she looked at one of the students and says, so if I say I'm beautiful, what tense is that? He said, clearly past. <laughs> so just because someone says something bad doesn't mean you get to slap them. In that position, you may be appropriate to do it. I don't know. It could be illegal. But the point is that people will say hurtful things to you and about you. You can't sweat that stuff. you got to learn to let that go. When people speak negatively about you, it says more about them than you. So just keep that in mind. They probably say things like that about other people too. It's not just you. So don't sweat that. Just learn to let that stuff go. Let that roll off your back and just keep moving. Look what happens next in verse 6. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly to drop dead. Anybody have some people like that in your life just waiting for things to fall apart? That if something went wrong, they'd be there to let you know. How many of you guys have people like that in your life? You're like, oh, yeah. Somebody's just waiting for your marriage to fall apart. They're like, oh, yeah, I know it's going to happen. I'm just going to wait around until it does. I'm just going to wait around until your, till your career goes wrong. I'm just going to wait around until that decision you made falls apart. And they're, they're wanting it to go bad, right? And so they were waiting to see if he swelled up or if he suddenly dropped dead. But then, I love this. It says, but when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. <laughs> wow. They got, a, they got it wrong both times. I love this. It's amazing, right? They're like, oh, yeah, any, any second now that guy's going to drop dead. You know, he's a murderer. He's got to be. You saw that snake. I mean, bit him right in the hand. I mean, we know. And then, oh, he's not swelling up. Oh, he must be God. Like, what? I mean, can you be that wrong twice? You know, they go from murderer to God. I mean, this is crazy how they get it wrong. And so I want to encourage you with this. Number three, please write this down. A bigger test than criticism is praise. So we think we're being tested when people say negative things about us. But actually, I would say the greater test is when people praise you. You got to guard your ego from limiting you. As Judah Smith says, your ego is not your amigo. It's not your friend. It will work against you. Here's what I mean by that. Paul knew he was called to go to Rome, but all of a sudden everyone on the Isle of Malta thought he was the man. They're like, Paul is the man. Yeah, he's all that. You know, we're going to get our new Paul Yeezy shoes. He's the God. Let's, we love him. And so, but he knew I'm called to go to Rome. He could have said, why go to Rome? They all love me here. I'm going to stay here, man. I'm going to have Paul Inc. We're going to get it going on right here. I'm going to start selling merch. We're going to have tours and concerts. It's going to be the place. I mean, I'm the bomb here. They say I'm a god. He could have stayed there. He would have been wrong because God told him to go to Rome. You see, you don't make your decisions based upon whether people are up or down with you. You make your decisions based on what God told you to do. And so, but he could have let his ego limit him. Are you letting your ego limit you? 
Like, God's been speaking about taking the next big step, but you're like, oh, but I'm scared to do that. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? What if it works gloriously? What if it's amazing? See, the greatest regret you'll have in your life one day is not the things you did when you messed up. It's the things you never attempted to do. Somebody clap. You're going to clap. Here's the deal. Failure, listen, failure is an event, not a person. So if you fail at it, just attempt again. Just try again. Don't give up. Don't quit. Failure is when you quit attempting. It's when you won't even try anymore. But keep trying. Keep going for it. Keep stepping out faith. But our ego keeps us from testing the boundaries of our possibilities. You never know what you're capable of until you test your own boundaries. you got to go to failure. I know that sounds total opposite of what we've been taught, like, oh, don't fail. But actually, I would say fail more often. Fail as quick as you can. You don't know. Like people tell me, oh, I made a sale. Congratulations. Did you upsell? Well, no, I just made the sale. Well, if they bought, then they probably would have bought more. Why do you now sell a larger quantity or, 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 or offer the next product? And, and, well, yeah, I did, and they took that too. Great. Did you offer the next one? No. Why? But they already took two. Offer till they say no. Well, we take this package. How about that package? How about that? Oh, no, that's too much. Okay, right there. Okay, we're good. Then I found the limit. You know, we, we don't push ourselves. My kids, and I work out with them now, my, my sons are like super into working out, you know, Mason's like totally transformed himself, and Cole is like literally on his way, it's amazing, every day I'm like, dude, you're bigger, how'd that happen, it was just 24 hours since I've seen you, it's weird, but they're getting so big and strong, and when I work out with them, they're like, dad, can you do that weight, I'm like, yeah, I can, all right, put more on, they're like, no, I just told you I can do that, they're like, yeah, I know, that means we need to up it, I'm like, what, they're, yeah, we need to get to the point where you can't do it, and then let's get under it and do it, I'm like, I just said I can't do it, and they're like, I know, but dad, you're not going to grow until you push to failure. Like, man, Mason, that'll preach, bro. <laughs> That's a good word. We don't grow until we push to failure. I remember when church was growing, it was taking off, you know, and everything's going good. And, uh, and one of my mentors said, hey, when are you going to open the second campus? And I was like, yeah, I don't need to do that. We're good. You know, it's, it's growing. It's going well. We're doing well. And so what I was really saying was, I'm already good at this. Like our church, we figured out how to do this. We're good. And he said, well, why don't you open the second campus? I, like, I don't need to do that. A couple years later, he says, hey, are you going to be the last church to open the second campus? And I was like, ouch, that kind of hurt, man. And he was like, well, everyone else is doing it but you. And he said, don't you have people driving an hour in? I was like, well, yeah, we do. They can't come all the time. He goes, exactly. You put the campus where they are, they'll go every week. I was like, that's a good point. So then I was really challenged thinking, how can we do this? Is this possible? I had no idea what we're doing. There was no books out on this. There was no one to really talk to. There was a handful of people doing it. I didn't know any of them. And so I just said, okay, let's do it. So we decided to open the campus in Kingsville. And guess what? I did everything wrong. I, mean, I did so much wrong. It was a great campus and, and lives were changing. I'm not trying to take away from what God did there, but I learned so many lessons on how not to do it. Things that we tried this, tried that, didn't work out. You know, eventually it, we closed the doors of Kingsville, the campus, and I would love to have it again, but it just didn't work out. And I take responsibility. I don't, I, don't, I don't blame the people. I take responsibility as a leader. But it just didn't work out. But in the meantime, we're opening more and more campuses. Pretty soon we have all these campuses, and we're okay at it, but it didn't, just didn't quite feel like the broadcast campus. So I was like, we need to up our game. If we're going to franchise church, we need to make it the same across the board. And so we began to raise the bar at all of our campuses because I didn't call my peers because my peers were having the same problem I was. They were like, yeah, this isn't going well. I called a friend of mine and said, hey, how's your campus going? He goes, all I hear is complaints. I was like, me too. It's so hard to do this. We don't know how to do, I don't have the systems in place. So then I called a mentor and said, would you show me how to do this? You know why most of us don't want to do that? Because then we have to admit we need to grow. 
We'd like to talk to people that feel like us, that are at our same level. But I had to call someone who was doing more than I was doing, better than I was doing it. And he said, okay, let's ramp them all up. Let's make them all better. You've got to double down your investment. And so that's when we decided to go from renting to buying them all. Made them all nicer, or at least we improved them all drastically. We have a few more to go. Not quite there. We're still making some improvements on two or three left. So if you're at the campus right now going, hey, I've got some stuff over here. We're working on it. But we're making everything better. And then my mentor said, hey, you know what? Well, I told him, I said, I really feel led to eventually have a big campus in San Antonio, Texas. Why? Because there's 300,000 people in Corpus Christi. There's 3.5 million people in the greater San Antonio area. And last time I checked, our job is to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So it's just a weekend. Look, if Waterburger can do it, why can't we? We can expand. <laughs> They're just moving burgers, man. We're, we're taking Jesus. So let's do this, you know? Come on. So my mentor says, before you go two hours away, do it successfully 20 minutes away at the next level. So we decide to do that, and we open Rodfield. Guess what? It worked. It's going great over there. So we now have proven we can do it 20 minutes away. We've tested that boundary. Can we do a big one, like a mega campus, 20 minutes away? We can. Now we're going to go two hours away, San Antonio. And it's going to happen. We're, we're, work, we're working on buying land right now. It's under contract. We're negotiating all the deals and getting it all ready to build a building this next year. We're going to have a mega campus in San Antonio. It's exciting. Yeah. And by the way, we're already working on the second location in San Antonio before we get the first. And guess what? Then I was talking to my mentor, and I said, so two, 20 minutes, two hours, and he goes, yep, and then two states. I was like, you're right. So we've done the 20 minutes away, Rodfield successfully, as well as the other campuses as we raise them up. And now we're going two hours away to San Antonio. And then as we get those campuses up and going, guess what? We're going to Denver after that. We're going to go two states away. Oh, pastor, we can't do that. That's just so limited. That's the thing. See, we're church unlimited. unlimited. So we're not limited by the scope of man. Whatever God wants to do, he can do. So you say, well, pastor, what do you feel for the campus in San Antonio? What if it doesn't work? Well, first of all, I always said it about every campus, and it does work. So what I've learned is that God always comes through. He's just waiting on me to have the faith to do it. So what about you? Where are you not testing the boundaries where you can? Are you testing the boundaries in your own life? Are you testing the boundaries physically to see how far you can push yourself when you exercise? Are you testing the boundaries spiritually to see how close you can get to God? Have you tested the boundaries in your business to say, how far out can I go with this? How, far, how high can I go in my career path? What else can I do? Have you limited yourself rather than expanding what is possible? You have more in you. Quit living a limited life. You go to Church Unlimited. You are Church Unlimited. You have more in you than you can do. You just don't know what you're capable of until you come up against your limits. you got to begin to push out the boundaries of what's possible. You can do more. You say, but I'm scared to do it. Feel the fear and do it anyways. Just keep stepping out in faith. And so write down your goals, make them big, and then go for it. Last week, we talked about big boarding your goals, big boarding your dreams God's given you. And so let's walk over to our big board right now. This is our big board that we have. We're going to have this up for the next 12 weeks. Our big board goal is to reach 2,000 more people at the current campuses that we have. And that's not even including San Antonio yet. 2,000 more people. How do you do that? Well, first of all, we know we need 700 more volunteers to be able to handle an influx of 2,000 thousand more people. And so we know it's possible, but we need to get people signed up. So we big boarded the goal, put 700 volunteers as the goal. Last week alone, over 492 of you signed up 
to serve at Church Unlimited. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Now, here's the thing. That tells me two things. Number one, it tells me we're not quite there. So many of you can sign up right now. In fact, if you want right now, if you take your bulletin out, open it up. On the right-hand side, there's a perforated card. Tear that off. You can sign up. If you feel led right now, say, I want to be part of that group. Sign up right now and just check out the ministry you're interested in. The only one we're asking you not to do right now is Rescue House. They are inundated with volunteers. We actually have too many. And so but all the other ministries are wide open. Check off the ministry you're interested in. But I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. The biggest ministries we have needs in right now, by far, are children's. And so nursery, children's church, students, we have big needs there. We'd love for you to sign up to serve in one of those. But, of course, there's all kinds of places to serve. But it tells me two things. Number one, it tells us that we're not quite at the goal. But number two, it tells me we set the goal too low. So we're raising this. Next week, that's going to say 1,000 volunteers because we've already learned by setting a goal, we've already learned we're going to more than surpass 700. So let's go for 1,000 volunteers because maybe God wants to bring more people than we're even setting the goal for this next year as well. It's possible. Oh, come on. Someone get excited. We're doing something around here as a church. We're doing something. We're doing something. I want to challenge you to push past your ego limit. Oh, but what if I fail? What if it doesn't go right? You know what? Try again. If you fail, just do something different. You will succeed. Just keep going. Don't quit. We're a go big all in church taking risks. You should be a go big all in person as well, taking bold risks, stepping out in faith. The bigger test that you face is praise. It's not criticism. I could have easily said, you know what? Church is big. We're comfortable. We got it going on here in Corpus Christi. I mean, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the man. We're cool. <laughs> but then I go to San Antonio and we're nothing there. No one has any idea who we are. It's a new challenge for me. So you can stay the man if you want. You can be like Mr. Big. I don't think I'm Mr. Big. I'm just trying to make a point that somehow we get in this mentality like I want to be a big fish in a small pond. Well, why not jump into the ocean? What if there's way more in you? So I want to challenge you, don't limit yourself by your location, by your education, by your nationality, by your upbringing, by what's happened to you, by the divorce you went through, by the abuse you took. Don't limit yourself. That's all where you're from. That has nothing to do with where you're going. God has more inside of you. I'm telling you right now, God... God is speaking to someone today that needs to know that the only limit you need to get rid of, you don't have a financial limit, you don't have a limit with God, the only limit you have is a mental limit. You've got to take the brakes off of what's possible. Instead of saying, can I do that, start saying, how can I do that? Did you catch that? Don't say, can I do it? Say, how can I do it? Because we already know you can, because it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We already know you can. Now the question is, how can we do it? And begin to figure it out. God gave you a mind. Use it. And begin to say, God, how can this be possible? You've told me we can do it. I'm going to big board it and help us to go in that direction. God, show me what to do next, and he will show you. I believe God is stirring in someone right now a new vision, a new goal, a new dream, and he's taken the brakes off of you. You have more in you. Look at verse 8. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. This was a pretty well-known guy on the island there of, uh, of Malta. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. I love that. You mean the people that were accusing him of being a murderer now want to go get healed by him? Isn't that funny how that works? See, God, let me tell you something. God may call you to minister to the very people who are criticizing you. That's why you got to keep an open mind. You never know who will come around. And so just keep an open mind. It says, they all came and they were healed as well. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, 
people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. See, if you'll stay on your game and stay focused, God is building support. I believe that one of the reasons why, looking back at the Scripture, why God let Paul take a snake bite publicly and have people talking bad about him is because at least people were talking about him. And so then when they saw that he didn't swell up and die, when they saw him go heal a man because they were paying attention to him, then guess what? All that controversy stirred up around Paul, got people looking at him, realizing he was legit, and then they supported him on his way to Rome. So I want to challenge you with this. Number four, never let your life be controlled by other people. Instead, live your God-given purpose. Never surrender the agenda of your life to whiners. You can't listen to that. It'll slow you down. If they want to be negative and live a limited life, then let them. But they don't need to limit you. People will project their own limitations onto you, but they're not you. You have more in you. God has put desires and plans and dreams in you, and he did not put them in you to die with you. He put them in you so you can complete them, so you can... Listen, God says in his word, he says, I want to finish the work I started in you. God's word clearly says that. And so I want to encourage you, he's not done with you. You're not too old. You're not too far gone. You can step it up. You can change. You are not finished. God is, you're not perfect, but you're being perfected. God's working in and on you so he can work through you. Heard about an old Proverbs of an old man and a young boy. They were walking through a village, and the old man uh, put the little boy on his donkey as they were walking through the village so the little boy wouldn't have to walk. As they began to walk through the village, the villager said, I can't believe that old man. Look at him spoiling that child. He should be on the donkey. That boy should be walking. He was like, oh, oh, okay. So he grabbed the little boy, pulled him off the donkey, then he got on the donkey, and they continued to walk through the next village. As he got to the next village, people began to shout, look at that old man. That poor little boy's having to walk. I can't believe that. That's so pathetic. He's on that donkey, and that little boy's... So he said, oh, you're right. So he picked up the little boy, put him on the donkey with him as they walked through the next town. In the next village, he said, look at that poor donkey having to carry that old man and that little boy. I can't believe they would do that to the poor donkey. And so now they're seen walking through the last village, carrying the donkey through the last village. <laughs> I want to encourage you today to quit being consumed by what other people think. At the end of the day, you're not going to answer to them. You're going to answer to God for what you've done with your life. That's what matters. Don't settle down. Ramp up. You're not done. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not overqualified. You're not underqualified. You're just right for the job. God is speaking to someone today. He's revealing to you that you've been caught up in what other people think too long. What is the Lord telling you? How is God guiding you? You do that, and you've got God's wind in your sails, leading you, spurring you on, pushing you towards greatness. God is developing you, and he's growing you. Quit being distracted by people. You have way too much in you. What other people think of you is none of your business. What God think of, thinks of you is your business. Would you bow your heads with me? Across all of our churches right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we just take a moment to pray. Maybe today God's stirring in you that you're not done, that you've allowed someone who's hurt you, who's rejected you, you didn't feel like you're part of the group, you didn't feel accepted, and you've let that hurt fester inside of you rather than saying, God, what do you have for my life? What's next? Maybe you've grown comfortable in your ego-filled world where everyone likes you and all is good, but you're not growing anymore. And God's saying it's time to break out of that. Don't let your comfort limit you either. God has placed more in you. Maybe God's stirring in you right now. If he is, just receive that from God and say, Lord, thank you, God. You're not going to let me stay where I'm at. You're going to stir me up to do more, to become more, to be the parent I'm meant to be, to be the spouse I'm meant to be. 
to be the employee meant to be, to be the business owner meant to be, to be the pastor, the leader, the small group leader, the, the mentor, the college professor, the, the military leader. God's not going to let you stay where you're at. You're better than that. And he knows it and you know it too. There's more in you. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive him right now. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. Then he rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray and receive Christ right now. We're going to pray this across all of our churches right now. Just pray this prayer with us. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sins. I will now follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.